You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 5. Today we kick off with our comments on the powerful growth effect of adding dividend growers to your portfolio. In your stock, our take segment, we review a viewer question on the restaurant group InvestCore. And in our Stars and Dogs of the Week, we review Brookfield Infrastructure and retail chain Sears. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. Our marketing department has just handed me some copy. Now, last week we talked about our breakthrough small cap report that is coming out this week. We have put together a little contest where one person is going to win that special report. The value of that is $599. To be entered into the contest, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page on, it's just on Keystone Financial, or you can find the link on our website and like the page. You have to like that page and you'll be entered in to win that. Once we have 250 likes on our page, we'll be drawing a name at random to win that special report. Now you can again follow us on, at on Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would like to welcome my co-host once again, Keystone Senior Equity Analyst, a father of one, and a man who I was just informed has been picked to replace Ryan Lochte as top spokesperson for, the, for Speedo. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, unfortunately, though, I have to add that the sponsorship from Speedo is conditional on me losing uh, 20 to 30 pounds, so it's, it's going to take a few weeks before the, the money starts rolling in from that. Like I said, they're going for the everyman look, so you could be in there. Exactly, yeah. And 20 to 30 pounds, you're saying I'll be the everyman. <laughs> Anyways, uh, on to <laughs> investment-related topics. I'm very, I'm very excited about the podcast this week because, of course, the, the topic is right in my wheelhouse, dividend growth stocks. This is where I've been focusing most of my research for almost the last decade, and it's a subject that I think every investor would be wise to learn about. Yeah, so we're talking dividend growers this week for sure. I. I saw an article, we both saw it last week, about the staggering long-term returns that dividend growth stocks or dividend growers have provided, and we're on board with that for sure. Uh, Those stocks essentially are stocks that increase their dividends every year uh, in the long term. Now, dividend growers are some of the best, like I said, long-term performers, companies that started out small often, have grown into household names today, and continue to grow their dividends over time. Not just pay their dividends every year, but increase them. And this can have a powerful effect on your returns. Now, I watched the the movie Old School over the weekend. It's a quite a funny movie. There was some excellent streaking in that movie by Will Ferrell. Now, these dividend stocks, however, put Will Ferrell's streaking to shame with their own streaking. Great examples of this include Johnson & Johnson, one of the biggest names in healthcare today. It has a streak of paying 54 consecutive years of dividends, increasing those every year. Its share price over that time has increased 4,800%. Now, Coca-Cola, one of the, uh, definitely a household name, the stock has increased its dividend 54 years in a row. Again, a tremendous streak. Lowe's, which is actually the biggest winner on this list over that time, 53 consecutive years of higher dividends for your classic big box home improvement chain. Procter & Gamble or P&G, 
It's the only stock on this list to beat those three. It has a 60 consecutive year uh, streak of dividend hikes. Now, to be perfectly honest, these stocks are very hard to come by. But you, you don't need many of them, maybe one or two, really, in the lifetime of your portfolio to make a massive impact on your, uh, your portfolio and your financial future. Now, what prompted this segment, actually, is I got a call last week from a long-term client that had purchased Boyd Auto Body Group, a company we recommended uh, in 2008 to our clients. We reviewed it last week as a star on this show. Now, she said she had purchased the company in 2009 after our recommendation at $3. Now, the stock over that time, over those eight years, has paid her over $3 in dividends, and she's still holding it. The stock itself now trades at $85. So she bought 3,000 shares for $3, a total of $9,000, and has been paid over 10,000 in dividends, and her shares are now worth over $255,000, over a quarter of a million dollars. Now, she, you know, what moved me about the call was that you know, she said that really impacted her financial future, and it impacted her portfolio so tremendously just adding that one tremendous dividend grower to her portfolio. And that's why we spend our days searching for the next one. So when we look for these companies, Aaron, what are we looking for to find a great dividend growth stock or dividend grower? Okay, so there's a lot of different attributes that we're going to look for, but I'm going to focus on on the, the five main points. First of all, and, and, and this, this, is a, this is minimum criteria for investment in any stock, whether it pays a dividend or does not pay a dividend, we need to see strong cash flow generation from current operations. It has to be a profitable business. If you're going to pay a dividend, you have to make money. You have to generate cash flow in order to pay that dividend. That seems like something that would almost go without saying, but in reality, you will find some companies out there that, that start paying a dividend before they're profitable with an expectation of being profitable in the future, that, that to us is, is a very risky proposition. So before we even consider something, any type of investment, we, we look at the current profitability. Uh, beyond that, specific to, to dividend paying stocks is the payout ratio. We need to see that they're paying out a reasonable amount of their earnings and cash flow in the form of dividends. And when I say reasonable, Obviously, in order for a, a, a dividend to be sustainable, the payout ratio has to be below 100%. If you're paying out more than 100% of your current earnings and cash flow, you're probably subsidizing that dividend um, by increasing debt in the company or selling shares um, to raise capital and, and diluting current shareholders. So that is not a sustainable proposition. It, in, in terms of what we consider a reasonable payout ratio, it really varies from industry to industry, company to company, but we generally like to target a payout ratio of about 25 to 55% of free cash flow. What that does is it, it, it provides the company with some flexibility in terms of being able to increase the dividend in the future, and it also provides them with capital that they can retain, reinvest back in their business to, to grow their earnings. And that brings us to the third point, which is, which is above average growth prospects, either organic growth, where they're investing back in their current assets to grow, or, or, or growth through acquisition. Lot, there are a lot of companies out there that will pay a, a, a nice yield, but it's it's a what you see is what you get kind of story. 
there's not really much growth. And, and what we what we like to see as a company that is actually paying a dividend, investing back in the business, like I said before, growing their earnings and cash flow and then using that earnings and cash flow growth to grow the dividend. Because what you're getting there is not only an income stream which is which is rising over time, but as those companies continue to increase earnings and increase their dividend, you usually see strong share price appreciation as well. Um, moving to the next point would be uh, manageable debt. So a company has to have a strong financial position. It's very easy for a company to maximize earnings just by loading up their balance sheet with a lot of debt when the when when their market is strong. Uh, that that once again is a very risky proposition for us. When when the economy is when the economy or that respective industry is 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 really strong. You know, you can get away with it with having a lot of debt, but when the economy or the industry contracts or or flattens out, which always happens because everything has some element of um, volatility in it, that's when you can really get in too much trouble having too much debt. So you just think of of an analogy would be using a, a individual person. You know, would you want to invest in a person that was just absolutely riddled with debt so that they they had no flexibility if if their if their income declined or if they they lost their job even for a short period of time or would you want to invest in somebody who who had a a solid financial position perhaps some debt for sure that's not necessarily a bad thing but but manageable debt and it's the same with a company and then finally we do like to see companies where management has a significant share ownership and what this does is it, it aligns management with shareholders Really, you're, you're, you're entrusting management. Management is a very important part of the investment equation because you're, you're entrusting management to make prudent financial decisions with your capital. And what really gives us a lot of confidence in management, aside from their track record, is when they have their own capital, their own money alongside yours because the decisions they make with your capital are going to affect their capital as well. And if, if they're able to create a a business which is growing over time and increasing the dividend over time and they're directly benefiting from that then then we find that 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 those are the types of companies where you're really going to get a lot of value because management is essentially a shareholder as well so those are the those are the five five key points strong cash flow generation reasonable payout ratio um, good growth prospects manageable debt loads and management the management team with with an ownership stake in the company yeah, I think that's a great summary of what we're looking for in a, a dividend grower and potentially a long-term winner uh, because of that dividend growth over time. I think, I mean, the last point there, if management is aligned with you, or if they own a lot of shares, every time they raise the dividend, they get a raise, and who doesn't like a raise? So I think that's a great point. Um, with that, like I said, like track record of consistent dividend dividend growth uh, is great. It's not the sole criteria that you're that you should rely on when looking at stock, but it's really a powerful indication of the company's long-term prospects. If every year they can increase that dividend and the returns you can generate on your initial purchase over time uh, can be great with these type of companies. With that criteria in mind, uh, we are always looking to find the next J and J or Coke or, or Lowe's out there. Um, I think we've good, done a great job with companies like Boyd. Uh, an Eng house, but um, you know, I, and I continue to think those companies can be stars long term. We just added another uh, company that we think has that type of potential to be a great, a great long term dividend grower to our focus buy portfolio. Uh, the stock itself, it's a software company. It's uh, upped its dividend ten times in the last five years. 
since we recommended it at the start of this year, the shares are up 45%. I think our clients know who that, which that company is. Uh, it's a company that we have a, a, a good long-term buy on right now. And I think uh, become a client and you'll get information on that company. But we're going to move to our next segment here. And that's our stars and dogs. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's dog. Well, for those of you who grew up in the 80s and 90s, Kmart is having a blue light sale and unfortunately up for sale are shares in its parent company, Sears. We say stay away from this former retail giant. The venerable long-standing department store is bleeding cash and on the verge of running low. Sears, or Sears Holdings, under the symbol SHLD on the NASDAQ, uh, this past week, the department store accepted a $300 million financing from its CEO, Edward Lampert, and it's his hedge fund that was funding it, following another quarter of declining sales. Excluding items, Sears lost a whopping $2.03 per share in the quarter alone. Now, it's same store sales, and we talked about that earlier, and um, we'll talk about that uh, again when we're talking about uh, our star. Same star sales for this are down 5.2% for Sears in the quarter. The Illinois-based company is grappling with challenges at Sears and Kmart. The two chains are struggling to turn things around in a tough retail environment. You're seeing companies like Target and Kohl's and others recently report weaker sales as shoppers continue to spend more time online. Sears is facing some broader issues too. The company has posted red ink or negative profit over the last six fiscal years. And 78 additional Sears and Kmart stars will be closed by the end of this summer. They're planning right now to kind of try to unlock some value in the company, uh, seeking buyers or, or potential partners for their Kenmore, Craftsman, and Die Hard brands, which are solid brands. It's hoping to unlock some of the value by selling or partnering on those. Uh, this strategy might lock, unlock some near-term value, but it is not a long-term strategy, and we would not be buyers of the stock at current levels. Now we're going to move to our star of the week, and I'm going to go to Aaron for that. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. Thank you. So since our topic this week is dividend growth stock research, we thought there'd be no better example for a star than Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. The symbol is BIP.UN on the Toronto Stock Exchange and BIP on the New York Stock Exchange. Brookfield Infrastructure was recommended in our income stock research in March of 2011 at a price of $21.62 and trades today for just over $63, so almost a triple there. The company is a global infrastructure stock, so what this means is that it owns critical pieces of long-life infrastructure in critical industries. So that this includes assets like shipping ports, toll roads, electrical transmission lines, um, energy distribution as well. And they're located in, in geographies all around the, the globe, um, including North and South America, Australia, and Europe. Like I said, these are long-life assets with 90% of revenue based on long-term contracts. So what we liked about the company back in 2011 is that it produced stable, visible cash flow and paid a generous and growing income distribution based on those cash flows. 
They invest capital back into their existing asset base and have also been very active acquirers of new assets when opportunities present themselves. The company just put out Q2 results this August, which were a continuation of the very strong financial performance that we've seen over the past five years. In terms of this being a an, an income grower, seven income distributions since we recommended the company five and a half years ago. And this, this income distribution growth has been driven by rising cash flows. So the, the payout ratio has been kept at a very reasonable level, providing the company with flexibility to reinvest back into the business. The outlook going forward for Brookfield Infrastructure continues to look promising. They pay at almost 5% yield today. And we just recently updated the stock in the income stock re- report to our clients. So for that update, you, you have to become a client. Now we're moving on to our, our Your Stock, Our Take segment. The company we're going to review this week, it was sent in by a listener. It's Invest Core Restaurant Group. IRG, most importantly, is its symbol on the TSX. They are a leading franchiser of restaurants operating around 226 locations in eastern Canada. It's under four brands they operate. Pizza Delight operates primarily in Atlantic Canada where, where they kind of dominate the family and mid-scale segment. Mike's and Scores Restaurant operate primarily in Quebec in the family and casual segments. And Baton Rouge operates in the province of Quebec, Ontario, and Nova Scotia in the casual dining segments. So when we look at a restaurant chain type company, uh, we like to look at uh, same store sales growth meaning the year-over-year sales from each location, are, are they individually growing or not? This is organic growth, excluding growth by the addition of new restaurants. Now, in the company's last quarter, it posted 1.2% growth, uh, significant improvement in same-store sales, and it is a positive but not massive growth. So overall, we'd rank that as a plus for the company. Now, then we look, is the company growing EBITDA, cash flow, and earnings? Well, in all those categories, we have check marks here. Although the growth has been only in the last quarter between five and twelve percent, respectively, so not at a tremendously high clip, but okay. Now we think management has done a solid job turning around this business, uh, refreshing the stores. Now, from a valuation perspective, based on cash flow, it trades at around anywhere from sixteen to eighteen times cash flow which is not cheap, but likely in the fair value range for the business now the way it is structured today. Now, interestingly, last week, two major shareholder groups of this company uh, have been pressing for the sale of the business. Now, they are AW, ADW Capital Partners and CAMAC Partners, both from New York. They're New York-based investment firms. They own around 16.4% combined in the company. They sent a letter to shareholders and the board of directors and management of Investcor Group seeking a strategic sale. They essentially believe that a larger type of restaurant firm or operator could bring this company into the fold, uh, help absorb some of the SG&A costs, and create long-term value uh, and unlock some of the cash flow that is there, there right now. Now, You've read through the letter that these two uh, New York-based investment firms put to the put to the management group here. What do you believe? Uh, do they believe there's some merits in the valuations they're talking about, and you think it offers good value here or decent value in Vescor itself, Aaron? I think it offers reasonable value here. It it really just it really just depends on who who would come along to purchase the company if if that were were to indeed happen. 
the the two firms that you spoke about they um, they're estimating that the company is going to earn about 21 to 22 million in operating income for fiscal 2017 and that's with minimal maintenance capital expenditures to put back in the business to to maintain that um, they believe that in the hands of the right strategic buyer that the, that the company could could make about 31 to 32 million in in operating income so when I say strategic buyer I mean uh, another company in a similar industry that is going to be able to um, where there's going to be synergies. So essentially, you could you could roll Investcore's assets over into this company, and you could take out a lot of the overhead, and that's why the the earnings would increase. Looking at those at, at those expectations, um, if if the company were to be bought by that type of a buyer, and they were to achieve those numbers, if you were to to attach a multiple of eight to ten times, that would that would give you a value of about four ten to five thirty per share, and the and the stock is trading today at about three dollars with a. With a three percent dividend yield, so there is certainly some value potential. I think there's a lot of what ifs in that story, but it, it is a solid business. And when you look at those companies, those uh, restaurant royalty companies where they do have same store sales growth, you typically see a, a fairly, fairly rich valuation on them in this market. Yeah, I, I think it offers decent value, um, and that some could be unlocked through a strategic sale. But again, that would be just speculation on uh, anybody's part at this stage. Absolutely. If if it would even happen, and if those numbers would be would be achieved, are are big what ifs. Of course. Well, Aaron, I thank you again for joining me this week, and uh, I'd like to uh, our, again our marketing department will uh, smash me over the head if I don't tell you that that we have a contest right now for our breakthrough small cap report, uh, which is going to be released. Uh, a message to clients again. We have that coming out this week. Um, if you go to our Facebook page, like uh, Keystone Financial, uh, you'll enter it in to win that or into that contest. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at keystocks.com and on Facebook and uh, add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. Again, uh, thanks for joining me, Aaron, and profitable investing to all of you out there. Thank you, Ryan. Profitable investing to everybody.